verse number 51. Luke chapter 9, verse number 51. The Bible says, And it came to pass, when the time was come that he should be received up, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem, and sent messengers before his face, and they went and entered into a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. And they did not receive him because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, wilt thou that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them even as Elias did? I, I like that kind of thinking sometimes. But he turned and rebuked them and said, You know not what manner of spirit ye are of. For the Son of Man has not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And he then went to another village. And it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. And he said unto another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Jesus said unto him, Let the dead bury the dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell, which are at home at my house. And Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. And we'll stop reading right there. And uh, again, just want to talk to you for a little while this morning from these few verses on the topic, Unconditional Surrender. Uh, most of us here today, uh, some of you were probably alive. I was not. Uh, some of you probably were. But most of us can remember because they used to teach this back when I went to school. I don't know what kind of history they teach in the school now. Uh, but we are familiar with World War II and the, the bombing of Pearl Harbor. And then uh, not long after, the, the surrender of the Japanese Empire happened in August. Uh, it was announced that the Japanese Empire would surrender. As the, the emperor of the Japanese was speaking to the Americans. Now, I don't uh, know that this is written down in a book anywhere in a history book, uh, but the story is told that as our president and their emperor conversed, there were other people that, you know, dealt with this whole thing of uh, the ending of the war and the surrender and all that. Uh, but the story is told that the Japanese emperor asked the president, uh, what are the conditions of our surrender and he said there are no conditions you just gonna surrender and then of course there was one bomb dropped and then there was more phone calls what are the conditions of our surrender there are no conditions you're just gonna surrender and I think after that second bomb he finally understood there are no conditions. You don't get any conditions. You just surrender. And that's what unconditional surrender means. It means it's not a negotiation. 
we're not negotiating a deal. You're just giving up. You know, it's like when somebody's got your arm twisted up around behind you and you're hollering, mercy, mercy, mercy. I quit, I give, mama, uncle, whatever you want to call it. You, you, there's no condition, you're just tapping out. You're quitting. Well, that's the idea. That's what unconditional surrender is, and, and that's what the, the conditions were. Uh, the condition is there are no conditions. If you notice in this passage where we began reading in verse 51, the Bible says, When the time was come that he should be received up. God works on a timetable. Uh, you remember years ago, uh, people uh, talked about the railroad, and the railroad used to have pocket watches. Those men that worked on the railroad had a pocket watch, and then they, of course, got a, you know, one they could wear on their arm. Uh, but but the, but the railroad man's watch was always on time. The train runs on time. And God's train runs on God's track, and it operates on God's time. He don't operate his big train on my little track, and I don't have a say where it goes or, or where it doesn't go, when it stops, when it doesn't stop. It, it comes and it goes and it does as it pleases because God's the conductor. And he runs the train. So in, in life, we need to think about sometimes that it may not fit my schedule, it may not fit my plan, but God's got his own plan. And his timing is always right. We may think it's too late, but it's not too late. It's right on time. Because it's according to God's time. We might think it's too early, but it's not too early. It's on God's time. Because he operates time. And the Bible says here, when the time was come, it was time for Christ to go to Jerusalem. The Bible says he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. That word steadfastly means this, he was focused. Jesus was a man on a mission. He, he had something to accomplish. He came here with a purpose. He didn't just, God didn't just decide one day, that Jesus would be born of a virgin Mary in the little town of Bethlehem. They didn't just decide that on a whim one day. Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4 says it like this, in the fullness of time, that means when time got to the right crossroads, in the fullness of time, when it was exactly right on time, God sent forth his Son into the world to redeem the world. God's got a timetable. And Jesus operates on God's timetable. And the Bible says that when it was time for him to go, he set his face steadfastly to go to Jerusalem. He had a mission to accomplish. He got focused on the mission. Uh, some people in life think that they want to journey with the Lord, that they want to walk with the Lord, that they want to follow the Lord. Let me tell you something. Following the Lord is not an easy task. Following the Lord is not something to be taken lightly. It's not something that we do haphazardly. You don't just wake up one day and decide to follow the Lord. I'm not talking about your eternal salvation. Those little children accepted Christ last Sunday here at church. They'll stand before the Lord one day at the judgment seat of Christ not because of the works of the flesh that they've done, 
but because in simple childlike faith, as the Bible said, they put their eternity in his hands. By grace are you saved through faith. That's salvation. Following the Lord's a whole different ball game. Serving the Lord is a whole different ball game. There's a lot of people, they got saved, but when they get there, it's going to be so as by fire, the Bible says. They just got there, and all they ever got out of Christ was their salvation. Because they didn't follow him. They didn't walk with him. They didn't want to do what it was that he was sent to do. They didn't want to help accomplish his mission, you see. They'll get to heaven, but they just barely going to get in. But then there are, there are those that follow Christ. You know, in, in our generation, uh, we're not as patriotic in this country as we used to be. God help us, we need a revival there about patriotism in this country and being proud to be an American. But we, we understand the military and, and how that operates and you know, here, here lately in the, in the last 10 years or so, uh, the Navy SEAL teams have become popular. Everybody kind of knows about them now because of, you know, the Gulf and what's happened in the Middle East and bin Laden and all those things. And, and we know about that there are different special forces in all the branches of the military. The Marines have the recon teams and... Army has two or three, the Rangers, the Delta Force, you know, and then the, the Navy SEALs, and you got some specialty, you know, air groups and different things. We know about these special forces. And I've been studying in God's Word uh, over there uh, in the Old Testament, and there's some special forces in the Old Testament. That Gideon had a group of men, and God whittled it down to just a few men. He didn't need a big army. Uh, you know, uh, there was David and his mighty men. And I've been studying a little bit about them. And, and there was several of them. You know, they were broke down into groups of threes. I think there was like ten groups of three men, about 30 of the mighty men of David. And each little group of three, they were kind of like the Navy SEAL teams. I mean, that, if you look at and read the stories about those, they operated just like our SEAL teams of today do. I mean, they, that's probably where the Navy got that idea from. Somebody read about that in Sunday school, thought, boy, that'd make a good way to fight wars, win battles. But you see, to be one of those, it takes work. It takes dedication. It takes sacrifice. It takes unconditional surrender. You can't walk with God and do what you want to do. If you're going to walk with the Lord and follow the Lord, following Christ, there's a high price to it. There's a cost to it. It doesn't cost you anything to get saved. You can get saved today if you're not saved, if you don't know for sure that you're going to heaven when you die. You can have the free gift of salvation today. God will give you that just as simple as, Lord, I'm a sinner and I believe Jesus died to save me, and I'm placing my eternity in his hands. It's that simple. That's salvation. That's God's grace. But I'm talking about something that's the next level. Getting closer to the Lord. 
experiencing God in a way that most people never get to experience Him. And that's an unconditional surrender. See, Jesus was a man on a mission. And He set His face to go to Jerusalem. That means He forgot everything around Him. And He was focused in on the task at hand. He had to get there. And He was going to get there. Here's three things I want you to notice in this scripture this morning about unconditional surrender. Really following the Lord. You don't get any terms in surrender. The Holy Spirit doesn't share space with anybody. We're either with Him or we're not. The Bible says, He who is not for us is against us. That's right back up there in verse 40. Uh, verse 50, all right? Uh, but verse number 57, the Bible says, And it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. That's big talk. There's a lot of people today full of big talk. Now, old Peter was like that, wasn't he? Peter said, Lord, I'll die with you. They're not going to run me off. I'll die with you. And what Jesus tell him? He said, Peter, before the cock crow, before the sun comes up tomorrow, you'll deny that you even know me. Not once, but three times, Peter. And what happened? Peter said, I'll die with you. He said, you'll deny you even know me. And before that rooster let out the first crow, he denied him three times in the night. That was Peter. And Peter, cut, he cut a man's ear off that night. He stood up to a Roman soldier and took out the equivalent of what we carry in our pocket today and called a pocket knife. He took that thing out and whooped the guy's ear off with it. And just a few minutes later, he denied he even knew who Jesus was. We're not talking about a sissy. We're talking about somebody who's ready to take on the whole Roman army. But when they took Jesus out of that garden, Something changed in Peter. And three times he denied him. We make big talk as Christians. It's easy to sit over here on Sunday morning. And this, God, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to do this and come to the altar and we pray. And I'm telling you, before you get out the back door, the devil's done slipped in your back pocket. And by the time you get to work Monday morning, you done recanted on everything you did on Sunday. Because it's not easy to follow the Lord. It's easy to talk about it. But it's not easy to actually go and do it. Here's what happens. He said, and Jesus said unto him, verse 58, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. What does that mean? You're going to follow the Lord. You must surrender your earthly securities. You must surrender your earthly securities. Jesus said that even the fox got a place to go crawl up in the hole. Birds got a little nest up in the tree. He said, but I don't have anything. I don't have a house to call my own. I don't have a place to lay my head. If you're going to follow me, you're going to have to give up all that stuff. Does that mean you got to go and sell your house tomorrow? No. But practically thinking, what's the Lord trying to tell us? Spiritually, what does that mean? 
It means if I'm going to follow God, I can't be enamored with all the stuff that the world has to offer me. I, I mean, it, it's, it's not difficult. It's not rocket science. I mean, I, I believe God wants us to be taken care of. All right, don't get me wrong. But do we really need two or three houses? I mean, do we need one in the mountains and one here in town and one down at the beach and one out west and a hunting cabin in the woods and a fishing cabin on the lake? I mean, do we really need all that? You, you understand what I'm getting at? Do, do we need two or three extra cars sitting in the garage and we can't drive but one at a time? Do, do we need more stuff? This vessel, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to do, I'm going to do, I'm going to do. And Jesus said, no, you won't. Why? Because unconditional surrender means that we got to be willing to forsake all the, the, the frills of this world, all the, all the things that the devil and the world would offer us to distract us from following the Lord. Now, some people... Mike could handle two or three houses and two or three extra cars and a lot of extra stuff. Those are the kind of people that, that if you walked up to and said, man, that sure is a nice automobile you got there. My granddaddy used to have one of them, classic old car. That's over here. You take it. Because it don't mean anything to them. That means that the Lord blessed them. They had money. They bought a car. It was, you know. Here, you take it. It's, it's, they don't have to have it. It's not a God. It's not an idol to them. You understand what the Lord is saying here? He says that you cannot follow me unless you're willing to surrender the security of these earthly things. I've had big house and realized I don't need big house. Too much to take care of. Too much work. Too much money. Too much, too much, too much. I said, I'm going to get a smaller house. And all that too much stuff is money you can invest in the Lord's work. I mean, who needs 5,000 square feet to have to heat and cool and dust? I mean, really? It's, it's difficult. It keeps... Preacher, you're being silly. No, I'm being serious. If there's things to do at church, if there's opportunities to be involved at church, but you can't be involved in them because you've got to spend five days a week cleaning house and doing housework and mowing the lawn and cutting them ten acres and cleaning the swimming pool and doing all this, and do, then it's keeping you from serving and following the Lord. Is it wrong to have stuff? No, unless stuff keeps you from following and serving the Lord. That's what unconditional surrender means. I'm not going to let this stuff get in the way of me serving God. It's not going to happen. We've always had a policy that we're not going to play ball and let ball interfere with church and with the things of God just our policy my middle son's playing football this year 
The other one, the oldest one, he's played football, basketball, baseball uh, all through the years. We've never missed church for sports. This year, uh, the church they attend, that I was attending before I came over here, uh, had revival set up. Uh, usually, it's in August before uh, the school year starts and football season starts. It was moved to later in September this year. Friday night came. Revival. Football. I'm a coach. He's a player. I told the head coach. I said, we'll not be there on Friday night. I told Benjamin, if you want to play, it's between you and the Lord. I'll not be coaching. He told the coach, I won't be there on Friday night. Not because I made him. He made a choice. You see, life's about choices and not letting stuff and, and, and things of life get in the way of serving and following the Lord Jesus Christ. What we do makes a statement to the world around us. How we live makes a statement to the lost people around us. It lets them know how serious we are about the God that we say we believe in and the Christ that we say that we love, that loved us enough to die for us when we don't surrender, when we don't sacrifice the things of the world to follow Him and serve Him. It all sounds good, but it's hard living sometimes. Jesus is simply saying, you got to get out from under Mama's apron. And following me, you can't drag along a security blanket. You, you, you just can't do it. Number two, followers must surrender earthly securities. There are no security blankets when it comes to following the Lord. Number two, and he said unto them, verse 59, he said unto another, follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Jesus said unto him, Let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. Now you may be thinking, how can a dead person bury a dead person? Well, I think Jesus is speaking spiritually. Let the dead bury the dead. If you want to follow me, you're going to be spiritually alive. You're going to have eternal life. So let the dead bury the dead. You follow me. Followers must surrender all loyalties. Number two, followers must surrender all loyalties except to Christ. Have no loyalty to anyone else but the Lord Jesus Christ. If people want to walk dead spiritually, if they want to walk carnally in their Christian life, let them do it. I have no loyalty to that. I have no reservation for that. People think sometimes I'm a mean-spirited preacher because I get aggravated with folks that just like to skip out on church. And I'll say that on a Sunday morning when the majority of the people are at church. I don't have sympathy for folks that skip church. I don't. Because my loyalty is to Christ. And His Word teaches me that when his people gather together, I'm to be gathered together with them. Hebrews says that we don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. And he says 
that when we see the time approaching of his coming, that's the rapture of the church the Bible's talking about, then we should gather together more and not less. So I have sympathy for people that don't want to follow Christ, that don't want to walk with Christ, that are spiritually dead or spiritually carnal, because my loyalty is to Jesus Christ. What do I do? I pray for them, and I want them to get in on the excitement and the fun, and I pray that God speak to their heart, and God encourage them to want to be around Him more, and to be willing to condition, unconditionally surrender to Him, and make them or make Him the one that they're loyal to. You notice he doesn't wait for a reply. He just says, follow me. Verse number 59. And he said to another, follow me. He just puts it out. Follow me. We have to sometimes rearrange our life if we want to be obedient to him, don't we? Follow me. Well, you know, Lord, I got this and I Follow me. I'm not going that direction. I'm going this direction. Might have to rearrange things. Might have to change things. That's why Paul, when he wrote to the church at Rome, included chapter 12. In chapter 5, he talks about uh, being conformed. Uh, chapter 8 talks about being conformed. Chapter 12, he talks about being transformed. Being changed. You know what transformation is? That's metamorphosis. That's from a caterpillar to a butterfly. That's not changing clothes. That's not getting out of your blue jean britches and putting on your dress khaki britches. That's going from a caterpillar to a butterfly. That's the kind of change that Jesus is talking about. We have to rearrange our life sometimes to come into compliance with what it is that he teaches and what it is that he wants. Jesus uh, he, he doesn't like uh, people that are indecisive or, or, or indefinite, people that waffle back and forth. He, he doesn't like things that are postponed. He doesn't, people that shirt responsibility. He just says, let the dead bury the dead. You follow me. Either you're on or you're off. We've talked about that in the past, Revelation 3. You're either cold or you're hot. Don't be in the middle. God don't like people that straddle the fence. Get on or get off. Number one, followers must surrender earthly securities. Number two, followers must surrender all loyalties except to the Lord Jesus Christ. And number three, followers must surrender to wholeheartedly serving the Savior. Look at verse 61. And another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but. There is no but after that statement. Lord, I'll follow you, period, is the way it ought to be. Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell, which are at home at my house. And Jesus said unto him, No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Some people would like to equate that with salvation, that somehow you could lose your salvation. That's not what he's talking about. It has nothing to do with salvation, but it has everything to do with following. He said, look, when you decide to follow me, it's wholeheartedly. You're, you're selling out to serve me. That means where I'm going, you're going. What I'm doing, you're doing. We, we talked about 
those special forces and those SEAL teams, when they're on a mission, you know what they do? They do everything together. Every man's life depends on every other man. And they do everything. They eat together. They sleep together. They, they, what, if they go to the bathroom together, they do everything together. Why? So they know everything there is to know about each other. They can be intimate with each other and know how somebody's going to think. Why do you want to be that intimate with somebody? Because they got your life in their hands and you want to know how they think. You want to know, if I can't communicate with them, if they're somewhere, my radio's not working, or they're not in my line of sight, and I know they're in a certain situation, I want to know how they're going to think in that situation. I want to know how they're going to react in that situation, so I'll know what to do in my situation. Do you understand that? And that's what Jesus is talking about. That's loyalty, and that's serving, and that's wholehearted. It's not just haphazard. It's not just independent. It's not knowing what the other one's doing. It's knowing everything that you possibly can about the one you're with so that you can accomplish the mission, that you can accomplish the task. And God's left us here for a purpose. He didn't save you for you just to sit and soak up preaching every Sunday. He saved you to be salt and light in this world. And this world is dying and going to hell. The country we live in is as worse as it's ever been spiritually. When we're having debates about whether you can kill a baby or you can't kill a baby or whether you can eat one or you can't eat one and whether... I, I mean, this is the most... I don't know another word. It's just stupid. My wife says that's not a good word and I'm not supposed to use it. But it's the only one I know. It's just plumb stupid where we are in this country. And it's not the world's fault. It's the Christian's fault because we fell asleep on the job. Because we've laid our sword down. Because we've quit proclaiming God's Word. We've quit living God's Word. We've quit standing on God's Word. We've quit telling people that there's power in the blood. We've quit telling people that there is a reason for life and that life can be better and problems don't have to beat us up and problems don't have to rule our life. We've quit walking with Jesus. At first we started out thinking that we wanted to follow him. We wanted to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. But what we did was just what he said right there in verse number 62. We took our hand off the plow and we looked back. If you turn on over to Chapter 17, you don't have to, but if you turned there and you looked at verse number 32, the Bible would say this, remember Lot's wife. What happened to Lot's wife? God saved her, didn't he? God brought her out of that hell and destruction that was fixing to rain down on Sodom and Gomorrah, didn't he? He brought her out of that mess. Saved her life from that mess. But she so loved it. It had such a hold on her. And that's where a lot of Christians are today. God saved us out of the filth and the mess of the world. But it's got such a stranglehold on us. 
that one or two or ten or twenty years down the road, we, we, we just had to be like her and turn around and just get one more look. And when she turned back to look, what happened? It was over, wasn't it? She was frozen in that state. No changing it from there. When I was a kid growing up, people talked about, preachers preached about sinning away your day of grace, which means you, God only deal with you so long, you reach a point. He tried to save you, he'll offer you salvation, offer, offer, and then finally he just says, okay, I'm not offering anymore, it's off the table. Then you're done. Your eternity's sealed. That's a bad place to be. I believe God's the same way with us as Christians. When we neglect the responsibility of following Him, when we take our hand off that plow, and we continue to look back at the world, there'll come a time when we're just frozen in the world. We get so enamored with the things of the world, He just turns us over. Paul preaches about, writes about it when he writes to the church at Corinth. He said, you're going to live carnal for so long that God's going to tell them, hey, just write them off. I'm turning them over to Satan for what? The destruction of the flesh so that their soul might be saved. God's not going to let you claim him as, as, his, as your Savior and live in the world very long before he cuts you off. Because he's not going to let his name be drugged through the mud. He's not going to let his name be defamed. He's not going to let you call yourself one of his and live like one of the devils. He's very clear. If you're not going to follow me, you're not going to be wholehearted about it, you're not going to be all in on it, you know what? You'll be just like Lot's wife, a pillar of stone. You'd be frozen right there. See, all these things right here in Scripture. Unconditional surrender. No security blanket in following the Lord. There's no other loyalties except to the Lord. And there's no half-hearted servants when it comes to the Lord's work. You can't straddle the fence. Being a follower of Jesus Christ, not an easy thing. But I'll tell you what, it's the best thing that there ever was. It is. Ain't nothing like it. There's nothing like it. It's a new adventure every day. I mean, hey, people, the, the Army uh, or the Navy used to promote uh, the, their branch of the service by, you want to see the world? Join the Navy. Because they'll put you on a boat, sail you around the world for four or five years. I'm telling you, you want to see the world? Join up with Jesus. Join up with Jesus. Because he came to save the world from its sinfulness. Not this ball we live on, but the people that live on it. And he'll use you. He'll take you places you've never been, let you see things you've never seen, let you do things you've never done, if you'll just sign up and serve with him and give him 100% of what you got. I'm going to tell you, if, if you could sit down and I could tell you all the things that I've done in my 50-some years of life, you'd say there is no way that you've done all that. There's not, except for God. And I've enjoyed every minute of the journey. There's been bad days. 
There's been days like Mark said as a young Christian. I got saved when I was a toddler. I've been saved my whole life. I was going to church nine months before I was born. <laughs> Wasn't long after that, I figured out, hey, I, I need this thing they call salvation. Five years old, I trusted Christ. That's what I remember. My mama says I prayed when I was three at the coffee table in the living room, but I don't remember that. So I'm going to let her hold on to that. I'm going to hold on to one I know. I trusted Christ when I was five years old, but I ain't always lived for him. There's been some times when I might have just had one hand on the plow, but it didn't take long, didn't take many times for that old strap to go across my back for me to get that other one back on the plow. You understand what I'm saying today? God's got something for you, and it's the greatest thing in all the world if you'll just yield to him. If you'll just give yourself to him 100%. Oh, you're saved. You're on your way to heaven today. But he's got more things for your life than you could ever imagine. And it don't matter today if you're 15 or 50 or 75. If you'll just give it all to Jesus, man, he'll turn it into something you could never imagine what it'll be like. It's like that song said, not only when we serve the Lord is it unconditional, but you know what else is unconditional? the ability to surrender our burdens to the Lord. He don't put any conditions on that. He don't just say, I'll take the heavy ones and you take the light ones. Or I'll take the light ones and you take the heavy ones. He doesn't say you can only bring five today and then bring ten next week. No. Jesus just said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. If you ain't laboring for the Lord, he ain't inviting you to bring your burdens. Right? People don't like that, but it's the truth of what the Bible says. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. The hardest day you spend serving the Lord will be the sweetest day in your life. Because you'll go home at night, lay your head on the pillow, and you'll have sweet rest. Because he takes all those burdens. And he lifts them. But only when we're unconditionally surrendered to him and following his will and his way for our life. Let's bow our heads. Father, we're so thankful for your word. Lord, I thank you today that God, sometimes even though it might be tough on us, it's for our benefit. God, you've laid out a plan for our life. And that plan is that we just surrender ourselves 100%, totally, unconditionally, we give ourselves to you. God, that's not salvation, that's service. We know that salvation is by your grace, through our faith in the finished work of the cross, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. God, there's probably a lot of people in this room this morning, their salvation is secure. They know that they're on their way to heaven. God, maybe their following, their, their walk, their service today is, is not what it could be. Lord, it's not bad, but it's not what it could be. Lord, help us not to be 20% Christians or 80% Christians. God, help us to be 100% following you. Help us to be 110% serving you. God, help us to give all of ourselves that there is to give because of what you've done for us so that we might point people to you that our life might point people to Jesus, that the things that we do and say might point people to Jesus, 
God, don't let us live in a way that it would turn people away from you or cause people not to want what it is uh, that you offer. God, don't let us live that way. I pray that you'll help us this morning. May the Holy Spirit speak to our hearts and challenge us, God, in areas that we could do better in. Strengthen us, Lord, where we might be doing good and help us, Lord, to continue. Help us not to back up. Help us to keep both hands on the plow, both hands going forward. Help us to keep our head in the right direction. Lord, we'll give you praise for what you do. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed as we stand all over the building, as she plays, we're going to give you just a few moments. If you'd like to come and uh, just do a little business with the Lord, tell him how much you love him, how thankful you are for the fact that he loved you and saved you. Maybe you just want to get a little closer to him, tell him you, you want to offer yourself to do a little more. You come this morning. It's your time. You know, we, we think about Elijah and we think about him praying fire down from heaven like was in our passage. Let me tell you something. If you're praying for this church, you're praying for God to do something in this church, just like when Elijah prayed that fire down from heaven, I'll tell you this, God won't send fire to an empty altar. And until you are willing to be humble before God and swallow your pride, God's never going to send fire to an empty altar. You take this time. You come, you join these at the altar. You just do business with the Lord. Let Him strengthen you and encourage your heart today. Maybe you're here today and God spoke to your heart about your salvation. I really didn't preach a salvation message this morning, although I did mention the gospel and what it means to be saved. Maybe God spoke to your heart during that time and you don't know that you're saved today. You've never come to the place in your life where you've acknowledged that you're a sinner and you need a Savior. Salvation is not about shaking a preacher's hand or signing a card or getting dumped in the tank. It's about coming to that place that you know that you're not going to get there on your own. That you need that Savior. Jesus offers himself to you in saving grace. Preacher, God spoke to my heart today, and I don't know that I've ever had that. But I'd like to know more about it. Would you pray for me? I'll not come to you, single you out. I just want to pray for you. Is anybody like that? Just raise your hand up right back down. Anybody, anywhere. Preacher, God spoke to my heart today, and I need to be better. I'm not totally surrendered to serving the Lord. Would you pray for me? Nobody's looking. Nobody's looking. I just want to pray for you. I'll not come to you. Just put your hand up right back down. Thank you. Right up, right back down. Anybody else? Anywhere in the building. Thank you. Father, I thank you this morning for your word. I thank you, God, that the Holy Spirit moves among us. I pray, Lord, that you'll just continue to work in the hearts and lives of your people. Lord, I pray that you'd strengthen this church body. I pray, God, that you'd just give them a, a fresh vision and a fresh anointing, Lord, to serve you and to stand in this community, Lord, and to go out into the world that they have influence in each and every day. God, to live for you, live in such a way that it would cause people to want some of what it is that they have called Jesus. God, would you bless us and keep us safe as we depart this place, Lord, and if it be thy will, bring us back this evening where we once again open your word 
find hope and encouragement from it. We'll give you all the praise and all the glory for what you do. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be dismissed.